This is about insanity becoming institutionalized. Well, as a longtime student of military history, I know that when you're fighting an insurgency, the last thing you want to see are little pockets of resistance, small pockets of resistance. That's a bad sign. That means that the morale of the people you're trying to subdue is rising. Now, we're the actual insurgents in this ongoing culture war. And by we, I mean me and Steve Green, Scott Ott, and you watching the show as well. So uh, this episode is about two little things that I saw that are not terribly big in themselves, but nevertheless indicate a sign that the, that the, uh, that the resistance is not futile. Uh, Steve, let's start with you. Um, our friends over at the Babylon Bee um, po posted a, uh, a tweet that listed um, Rachel Levine as man of the year. <laughs> this is a comedy site. For those of you not familiar with Rachel Levine or Admiral Levine, I'm, I might point out here. Here's a picture. Uh, now, for this, uh, Twitter uh, locked their account and Twitter locked their account for inciting violence and hate towards uh, towards individuals, which is against their policy. And this is the reply of uh, Babylon B CEO, Seth Dillon. He, he, he wrote, we're told our account will be restored in 12 hours, but the countdown won't begin until we delete the tweet that violates the Twitter rules. Dillon added, we're not deleting anything. Truth is not hate speech. If the cost of telling the truth is the loss of our Twitter account, then so be it. Now, if there have been more people doing more of this for the last five or 10 years, we wouldn't be in this kind of trouble. It's a small statement, but it's, it's, it's not a trivial one. That business model is predicated on disseminating their satire. And, and to lose Twitter means that that will cost them revenues. But apparently, for some people like Seth Dillon, the truth is more important and speaking the truth is more important than losing revenues, which is why I'm proud to have done an interview with those guys. And I think they're the funniest guys on the planet, despite the fact that Frank Fleming is working for them and Scott Ott isn't. <laughs> Frank's a funny guy. Frank was one of the early uh, war bloggers back in the day when that was a word. And he wrote one of the funniest early uh, war on terror columns. Nuke the moon, man. Nuke the moon. That was nuke it. Nuke the moon. I yeah. have a Nuke the moon t-shirt to this day. Oh, it's just brilliant, brilliant stuff. I'm glad Frank's writing for the B. I Actually, I can tell he's writing for the B because it's funnier than it ever was. And it started out really funny. Uh, let me tell you the dirty little secret about Twitter, though. This isn't going to cost the Babylon B any revenue. Uh, pennies. Maybe pennies. Uh, Twitter does not drive traffic. It doesn't. It drives conversation. You know, all the blue check mafia, they like to pat themselves on the back and they like to, you know, stomp their 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 boots on uh, on people's faces to get them to shut up. In fact, the thing I hate most about Twitter this is a little sidebar is how it encourages some of our uh, most successful, most credentialed, wealthiest people to punch down at ordinary Americans. It really brings out the worst of a class that uh, in recent years hasn't been that great to begin with. Anyway, mm -hmm. that said, Twitter does not drive traffic. Now, Facebook, uh, as I said behind the scenes here, Facebook is today for probably about a billion people what AOL was. You can tell people <clears throat> later what AOL was. But what AOL was for your parents or your grandparents back in the 90s, uh, back then, you got your little disk in the mail, you installed it on your Windows machine, and AOL was the internet. Mm -hmm. it, it, was, it wasn't just your internet service provider. It was everything you saw. In the, if it didn't exist on AOL, it didn't exist. That's the You've got mail. 
And that's the power Facebook has today, except instead of for a, a, a you know a few tens of millions of people, for at, at a out of Facebook's probably two billion users, for almost half of them, Facebook is the internet. If it doesn't happen on Facebook, then they don't see it. And Facebook really has the power to hurt conservative websites. Twitter doesn't have that kind of power. They don't have anything. Getting getting banned on Twitter is a sign of honor. I I. I I started tweeting again just a very little bit a couple of weeks ago because I, I miss a lot of old friends on there. But I took my account private so I wouldn't be tempted to do all the jerk things I used to be tempted to do on Twitter. And so I've got this very tiny account now. And I, I, I decided just a, a couple of days ago to see if I could get myself banned. And I retweeted a story about this uh, this Leah Thomas character. And I just said, check out the shoulders on that dude. I still that can't do get it. banned. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Just to follow up real quick, Steve, yeah. I think the point, I, I, I invented the part about the, the revenue because that seemed uh, like the case to me. But I get the feeling from reading that tweet and the tone of that tweet that if they'd been banned on Facebook, they would have said the same thing. Ultimately, yeah. it is it is a defiant act in the face of of intimidation. And the only reason this intimidation goes on is because people succumb to these kind of things. And yes. I just thought that was a, a clarion call. And didn't you say something about it? Uh, didn't, didn't you uh, backstage say, which is available only to a certain class of people. Uh, didn't you say um, something about uh, what, what uh, a tweet they had about that this, maybe this would get them <laughs> yes. banned? Yes. Uh, Babylon B had a, I just saw the headline. I, sometimes they just do headlines, not stories. Uh, and I saw a headline today that uh, said uh, Taliban banned from Twitter after reposting Babylon B story, which is just brilliant. But about the revenue thing, because Bill, I, I, I let myself get off topic here. So let me just add something real quick. You know, here at BillWhittle.com, we take hits all the time. And it doesn't. I mean, it does matter. It, it, it hits us in the pocketbook. But we do this because we are part of that resistance. And if we have to take hits, well, as Scott said in his segment this week, if you're taking a few hits, you're over the target. So, you know, YouTube, Facebook, whoever you are, hit us with your best shot. You've been trying to shut us up for years now, and we're still going at it. What are you so afraid of? Yeah. I mean, the, one of the things that, that, that it just pushes this over the edge is that I, I've, I've got the Babylon B gigantic coffee table book. And I think at least half of their total uh, satire is targeted at Christians like themselves. Oh, yeah. They do nothing but poke fun at themselves because they've got the confidence of their convictions. And so do we. Uh, Scott, for you, I'd like to talk about a second little thing I saw that gave me uh, gave me sense of uh, resistance uh, here in the uh, insurgency. Uh, and it's and it's this uh, photo right here, which is the one we use for our thumbnail. Um, of course, I'm talking about one of the most miraculous sports stories of all time, where, where a swimmer in the space of one year went from being ranked below 500 to number one in the world. What an astonishing, astonishing piece of, of sports legend, legend that is. But here's what I liked about this particular picture. This is, of course, is a is a, a photo of Leah Thomas after winning the NCAA swimming championship in the women's category. But the second, third, and fourth place official winners, which are really the first, second, and third place uh, finalists, are off on one corner with their arms around each other, and then uh, the number one finisher is 
seven, eight feet away. It looks like about eight feet if you laid him horizontally. He's about eight feet tall and, <laughs> and, and, and as wide as the three women uh, standing together. And I just looked at this and I said, this is the solution. It's not the permanent solution. It's the temporary solution. This is how you get to the permanent solution. You simply refuse to acknowledge it, even though it's right in front of your eyes. Governor DeSantis, whose stock continues to rise in, in, in my book, basically earlier today said, no, we're going to honor the person who came in second because she really won the race and, and, and the rest of it's all a lie. So while you're answering uh, this question, I want to run a, a clip, uh, which, which we won't have any sound over, but when you start uh, the, the answer here, I'm going to start a clip that shows uh, Leah Thomas swimming from an event at the very end of 2021, just a few months ago, where uh, where this uh, trans swimmer beats the second place contestant by 38 seconds. So this is how much of an advantage this uh, so-called transgendered uh, swimmer has. So, Scott, here's the thing. Is this the only way to deal with this enforced insanity? Is it is it just to, to recognize, as you pointed out, that you, you mentioned something about the way the cheering went during the NCAA uh, finals? Yeah, I saw a little clip. And of course, I'm always wary of any clip I see on the internet because you can always overlay different audio with different video. And But there was a little clip where when they announced the number two swimmer in that particular race or that heat, I guess the race itself... Um, there was a great deal of cheering for the number two person who happens to be a woman as it was a women's swimming event. Um, and then when they got to the um, number one, who, like you said, towered over the number two winner, not because he was standing on a higher step of the podium, but because he's a massive man-like person. Um, anyway, there was, you could hear a significant amount of booing in the audience. Now, I, I think that sort of silent treatment is one way of dealing with it to answer your question. Um, but I also was kind of rolling back the clock on how long it takes to become a championship swimmer. And that starts when you're a baby these days, you know, like <laughs> they're throwing, you know, nine month olds in the pool and teaching them how to swim from there. So how many dads and moms are going to cart their kids to the innumerable swim practices that they have to go to if every time the kid comes home, she says, you know, I'm the best one on the team, except for Mike, uh, Michelle, um, who for some reason beats me by an entire length of the pool every time we do it. How many parents are going to participate in that? It's as if you were going to wrestling, you know, camp or part of a wrestling team and they suddenly said, you know what? These old weight class ideas are kind of old fashioned. We're just going to pair people up alphabetically and just have them wrestle each other. And so this is 220 pound guy is going to wrestle this 70 pound guy and we'll just see how it goes. It's this the fundamental sense of fairness in every human being and frankly, stronger in progressives and liberals than in most. Uh, most liberals really feel obsessed with this idea of fairness and yet have a blind spot when it comes to something like this. Uh, you know, is, if you legitimately believe that somebody is, uh, you know, trapped inside of a man's body but is actually a woman, um, there's a way to address that without taking that man body and putting it in the pool with your little daughter and having him beat the tar out of her. Uh, there's just a fundamental sense of unfairness. You're always going to be for the little guy, my Democrat friend, my progressive friend, my liberal friend. And frankly, most Democrats are not in support of this, so I'm not going to tar them with that brush. 
But if you're really in favor of the little guy over the big oppressor, then it should be clear to you in this situation who you need to support. And the number two on that podium should be replaced with a number one. And the number one should just be a guy standing off to the side watching the girls who won the swim meet. Which is exactly what this picture uh, represents. Um, you know, it, it, it seems like we shouldn't have to say this, but but we do. We have to say this because because of of the we live in a universe of lies, and um, and I think when I was reading uh, about the Babylon Bee's response, I think it was somewhere in an article was quoted. I think it was uh, Ron Paul who said, "In in a in a society of lies, truth is treason." That's really pretty much uh, pretty much it. So let me just say this so we're crystal clear on this. I'm speaking for Scott and Steve on this because I talk. We've had this discussion many many times, and we'll probably continue to have it. I am not transphobic. I don't give a damn. It's not that I'm against trans people. I'm not, I I just don't care. It's none of my business. I genuinely don't care. I don't have a horse in that race, if you'll pardon the expression. Uh, I don't care. It's none of my business. If somebody comes to me and says, I would like to be addressed as Andrea, that's fine with me. But if they want me to change my language so that all of the pronouns have to be memorized for this particular person, no, that's the limit of my toleration for your particular. You, you've just spent, you've just spent all of my, uh, politeness tokens and, and, and now you're out. So this isn't about transgender. This is about cheating. This is about insanity becoming institutionalized. And more than anything, the story with the Babylon Bee and, and the story in the case of this swimmer, this is about speaking what is what is true that everybody knows to be true, that the entire world knows to be true, but which no one is allowed to say anymore. This is the strategy that the left, that the far left has on this. The strategy is to make us all insane by, by gaslighting us into believing that these things that are fundamentally wrong are true. This is not the guy, this, this is not the best female swimmer in the world. Okay, and he could be taking all of the testosterone suppression drugs he wants to. He's still got the shoulders and the hips of a big, big dude who is half again the size of the three women, actual women, who came in first, second, and third in this particular race. <laughs>